All right, and welcome back to this week's edition of the Omni Talk Fast Five. It is September 27th, 2019. We were off last week due to all of our coverage from Grocery Shop, but oh my gosh, what a week it has been. We've got some exciting announcements to get to. And I, Chris Wallenham, of course, joined here as always by Ann Mazinga and Carter Jensen. The trio. The trio. It's good to have you guys back. The co-working space, you know, was moving and hustling and bustling when you were away. But, you know, without you two, it's just not the same. Well, I'm glad you were here to hold it down, Carter. I did my best. I did my best. Does it not have the same je ne sais quoi? That it normally does? Oh, well, the average age was back down to a normal, like, baseline. <laughs> it was kind of nice. But anyways, welcome back. Yeah, it's, it feels good to be back. It's been a crazy week. So in the last two weeks, we've been in Vegas for five days, D.C. for two. Yes. I just did a 36-hour multiple red-eye, red-eye on both ends, one end, not intentionally, to Miami and back in the last 36 hours. I know. Thank you. Oh, nay, don't mention it. Uh, it was but it was fun. It was actually at the Canop Conference down in Miami, their move event. Got to see Takeoff's new Takeoff's installation at Sedano's again for the second time. They made some slight changes too. It's pretty. It's uh, I, it's pretty cool. I could hardly see them around your head <laughs> in the photo that you posted, Chris. And as I told you about the social media picture, I've got to give the people what they want, <laughs> which is a what a selfie. Chris's head, <laughs> huge head. just his head. That's all right. I cr- yeah. Anyways, my He's huge noggin in the selfie, <laughs> as Mike Myers used to say. He uh, bent. No. Okay. All right. Anyway, but Carter, you've got a you've got some fun stuff going on this weekend. You've got a yeah, bachelor party. Taking off to Austin, Texas this afternoon for a little bachelor party for some old college fr- an old college friend. Uh, yeah, it's gonna be fun to get the whole crew back together. What, so what oh, do what on, do millennial yeah. guys do in Austin for a bachelor party? Carter? You know, I'm excited to Can find out. I have been in you know zero conversations about planning this. Yeah. I know the stereotypical top golf is in order. Uh, beyond that, I is that, that stereotype? I, I did that last week. It was really fun. You, Actually, Logan and I, you're, uh, we need to go do that some afternoon. Okay. Me and I, I need to tell him the that. fact that you guys are just doing Top Golf now. Right? No, I'm kidding. It's I, like I've already burned you guys twice today. You're so. like the coasts, Carter. We're we're Keep middle America. We're catching up. We're catching up. <laughs> no, I'm excited. Behind. Hopefully, I have a better uh, luck with my flight than you did yesterday, Chris. I hope so. Or yeah, this morning, depending I mean, on. No one should have a six hour delay. No one never. Should, no one should land. You know, be expected to land at their home base at 9 p.m. and actually arrive at 4 a.m. That just is a killer. But anyway, before we get to this week's top headlines, we have some really exciting news. I would say this is probably the the most exciting news, at least from our perspective, we've had here at the Fast Five in the Fast Five's illustrious now almost two-year history. So exciting news, we have a new sponsor. Our new sponsor is Trigo. Trigo provides checkout-free technology that sets your customers free. Trigo's network of ceiling-mounted cameras sees what no other systems can see. It creates a 3D image of retailers' shop floor environments and maps the movements of every object every object as consumer shop. Its proprietary algorithms and neural networks enable a frictionless shopping experience where consumers can enter the store, pick, and leave. I cannot, I don't want to speak for him. I cannot be more excited about this. You can this. barely speak. I know. We've been hot on the Israeli tech scene for a long time. Yes. We've covered Trigo many, many times on this podcast. I think we were even quoted in uh, the Wall Street Journal when they announced their, when there was rumors of their pilot, with they, which they now have with Tesco. Um, and the checkout free space is hot. This is awesome. You know, and, and I have it written down here too, because, you know, we just got back together after your travels and everything. And I can't wait to talk to you guys more about, you know, what they're doing in terms of sponsorship and what they're doing in the, in the world as well. Cause I think there could be some fun things we could do here with our clients and not only Minnesota, but throughout the U S yeah, 
Yeah. Absolutely. They're great. They're a great team. They're going they're going places, yeah. as one might say. Yeah, it seems fun. I just can't wait to see how this whole landscape's gonna unfold. But thank you, Trigo, for your sponsorship and and really making this content and education um for the people in the retail industry possible. Yeah, could not appreciate it more. All right, well let's get to the news. For those listening, if you're interested, we also will have video now going forward of all the Fast Five. So if you prefer to consume your content that way. Yeah, we're launching it on YouTube. So our YouTube channel actually is a really awesome mix of kind of first-person iPhone video from Chris and Ann, which is obviously, you know, shot vertically, which is my, <laughs> my, blows my head off. Early days, yeah. Carter. <laughs> Anyways, we're working uh, on it. No, it's all good. It's, I, I really love it. And that's some of our best videos, actually, is actually Chris and Ann going through real-world retail real experiences. Life, yeah. It's just the best. And, and um, that's mixed then now with our Fast Five video which is a ton of fun if you want to see our ugly mugs day in and day out uh, you can get a little glimpse into what our studio looks like here at third house um, but yeah we'll be launching those on youtube just a day or two after the actual podcast uh, comes out so uh, look look for those yeah the editing takes us a little bit longer the, but we'll the get slow that drip the slow, of the slow drip of omnitalk yeah just content day in and day out <laughs> and some of you have asked just so you know that we are actively listening to our loyal subscribers as well some of you have asked if we can get subtitles onto those youtube videos too so carter we're gonna carter and i have talked and we're gonna take a look at that and see yeah what we, we, can, we can add them to actually the youtube video that that's uh definitely easy to do um you know and, and youtube actually does well another topic for another fast five <laughs> youtube has one of the best you know speech you know, translation algorithms around um so we'll definitely turn those on yeah, and make them start, available awesome yeah we're gonna start taking a look at that too so all right a lot of cool stories this week i am pumped especially for topic number five so stick around because <laughs> carter's got topic number five and it's gonna oh, be yeah. awesome no pressure carter perfect <laughs> all right None. story number one kroger debuts a new food hall in their new fifty-two thousand square foot store that's right. According to Supermarket News, the first Kroger supermarket with a food hall opened this week in a new urban format store in downtown Cincinnati. The two-level supermarket anchors an 18-story apartment building, and it features five local food concepts, including Kroger's own Kitchen 1883 Cafe and Bar. That sounds super cool. The store also features grab-and-go and ready-to-heat meals for lunch and dinner, along with fresh fruits and vegetables in a traditional grocery shopping experience. There's an exclusive Starbucks coffee blend as well as a walk-up window for beverage orders. Kroger said the store will offer grocery delivery and it plans to add delivery service for the restaurant. About freaking time. And yeah. you got to be all over this one. I am, you know, but not, I think, for the reasons that you think I would be. Um, I think of particular note is the last part of the the description or this of the story that you read. And that's what they're doing with the walk-up window, the beverage orders for delivery, and grocery delivery and future delivery service from the restaurants. That, I think, is what is really revolutionary about Kroger taking this step. The food hall is great. I mean, I think it, it based on where the space is, they're in a downtown area. They're at the bottom of a, they're an anchor tenant of a, a multi-unit housing development. That will be helpful to them. But I think what's really cool is that this is one of the first real cases of the the fresh hippo kind of, here's the, all of the things that you can do in one physical space. Um, this is going to going to change the way that I think a lot of grocery retailers, especially, are doing grocery with with pickup, and they're and I think they're they've set it up. It sounds like to do that really well. So that's what I'm most excited about. Food halls are great; they're all over the place, but 
but it's really about the execution here. Yeah, I, I love that point. And I think, you know, we could focus on some of the more buzzworthy like things within it. You talk about the food hall. It's got a great coffee shop with its own blend, as Chris mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you're right. Like the the... The not a shiny point, I think, is more important, and it's it's the layout. It's looking at the new consumer and what is ten years from now going to look like from grocery, yeah. And what are we building today that can bend and flex and kind of take on that new uh, the, the the new framework and the and really the new demand of, of the modern consumer. So uh, I think you're spot on. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh go I was going to say one more thing. I would add. I think that's right, Carter. the The thing is, I Chris, I can't get out of my head when we were talking about crate and barrel. Oh. No one's going to ask. I don't see people being like, hey, do you want to go to the Kroger Food Hall Kitchen 1883 for lunch? Like, I don't see people asking somebody on a date to that place or like making a reservation there. So if for me, I think this is going to be a test in operational management to see how these restaurants can all work together to put out uh, to basically be just a delivery hub. No, but I I think it's a great point. But I think what you guys actually said, I think is. I think you're actually you. I think in your previous sentiments, I think you kind of gave the counter to that point, which I think was really brilliant. Which is, you know, if you look at the grocery landscape, not only is like the direct to consumer thing coming in terms mm-hmm. of like the traditional staples you buy every day, but the grocery businesses are also losing out to the DoorDashes, you know, the the Uber Eats, you know, whether it's delivery of McDonald's or delivery of other quick serve type restaurant experiences. And so what's really unique about this is you're now putting that inside the four walls. And if you start thinking long-term, I think Carter, like you said, 10 years out, and you allude to this too, where if you start to get the delivery infrastructure into that, you can mm-hmm. actually start to provide those types of options right. as you're thinking about, what do I want to make for dinner tonight? Well, let me just get it from that grocery store. And you have you could be in that grocery store or not, but you can be set up to do that even more efficiently than probably some of the food purveyors are. And then the second piece about this, and I just learned about, and the reason I'm hot on this is coming off that conference where you know I got to talk about micro fulfillment and automation and just how consumers are shopping. The other thing too is a lot of times, and and you think about this yourselves. You go to the grocery store. A lot of times you're buying stuff, but you're actually not even necessarily always buying stuff for that night. Mm-hmm. You know, you could be tired. You could be on your way home from work. You're not you're not in the mood to cook. You're not in the mood for what you're actually buying. And so, if you go to that store and then these options are there, instead of paying the delivery fees, you can say, you know what, I'm just going to grab something that I would normally pay at Bite Squad or DoorDash, somebody somebody to deliver to me, and I'll just I'll take it back that way. Mm-hmm. So I think this flexes the grocery store in the right way when you start thinking about center store groceries going to shrink. Let's devote the space to here, right, to these types of experiences or, you know, the more, you know, fresh-based experiences too. Yep. I, I just think it makes a ton of sense. I'm surprised we haven't seen it more yet, to be honest. I, I think this is it, though. It's coming. I think, yeah. I think it's going to happen. I think Kroger's. This is the tipping point. Kroger's doing it, and Kroger has more tests going on than anybody I've ever seen. Like I also wouldn't be. We su- talk about them all the time. I know, and I wouldn't be surprised if they've got the Ocado thing going. I wouldn't be surprised if they start doing micro fulfillment. They've got literally the landscape peppered with diversified tests in their portfolio, and the Kroger Walgreens thing in grocery shop last week. God, people couldn't stop talking yeah. about that. It was everywhere. Mm-hmm. So, you know, who, know, who knows where this goes with that, too. So talk about new concepts. So jumping into story number two here, uh, our favorite Mall of America, McKinsey, are launching a new retail technology store. Um, it's actually opening today. So McKinsey and Company, in collaboration with Mall of America, announced the launch of its first ever retail concept. It's called Modern Retail Collective, a live retail space in Mall of America. So the store is going to be open today, as I mentioned, to the public. And I think this 
is a huge thing. It's it's in the Mall of America for a very specific reason. Um, ultimately, what's going to happen is the space offers retailers the opportunity to test dozens of new technologies working together all at once, while at the same time, shoppers can interact with retailers in new ways in-store across a variety of channels. So uh, the whole idea is, is that technology and tracking and everything will be infused in this real retail space uh, for shoppers to actually come in and, and buy things. And I think it's going to be really, um, it's, it's kind of interesting. So uh, technology advisory participants include a long list of technology companies such as Chatter Research Company or uh, Compass Marketing, uh, Facecake, Farfetch, Flex, Microsoft, MS, MSM Solutions, etc., etc., etc. And then it's actually going to flip over this, uh, the brands that it's carrying. So early 2020, it's actually going to cycle those for kind of the next round of products. So uh, an interesting list coming out of the gate here uh, in terms of what people are actually being offered. Um, so uh, and and get us to correct me if I'm wrong. So a cosmetics company called Elv. Anyways, uh, Kendra Scott, Third Love, and then Type A Deodorant are the first four coming out of the gate. Based, so, based on the accent market, it looks like elevate, elevate. Oh God, that was you hard. Just, you just gave Chris an in to like use his French accent again, and it's not great. It's brutal. So we, so this is this is really interesting because I think it's you know we love Mall of America. Mall of America is an awesome partner of ours, and I think it's interesting that they're bringing in uh, a store powered by uh, McKinsey to really do uh, to bring digital you know, digital touch points to life along with tracking as well. Now, um, on the surface, it's good. Now I have my own opinions on this and I have my own kind of ideas of what Go. potentially is going to happen. Um, but I think just reading the press releases and reading the things that they're focusing on, you see a technology first mindset rather than a consumer first mindset. Mm-hmm. And that's the biggest issue here. And so if you try to funnel a bunch of Mall of America shoppers into that world and say, download these nine apps and touch these nine screens and, and you know, look up, look at all the cameras and you can just... We're losing the real value of why technology is there, and that's to enhance the actual customer experience. Now, I have to see it for myself, so I don't want to judge it too harshly right now. Um, but I think that just looking at the long list of things and just like all the tech that is claimed to be packed in there, I think you're losing the true essence of a store. You're losing the true brand experience and the experience that consumers are looking for. And I think that people, yes, consultants are going to go in there. We're going to go in there. We're going to love it. We're going to think it's all, you know, all the lights flashing, all the touchscreens and everything. But at the end of the day, I really fear that this is, this is basically creating a model that wouldn't work anywhere else and won't work for real brands either. And maybe that's not the end objective. I'm sure there's other things baked into this. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I think that we're losing oh yeah. We're we're <laughs> losing the focus on on a true consumer consumer experience. Oh, you're gonna let me go next? Yeah, I, you were like bouncing up and down. I thought I'd let you go. Go ahead. No, you want me to go? Yeah, All sure. Right. All right, I'll go. Yeah. No, I mean I think gosh, what would I say about this? I think Carter's points are I, I think I couldn't agree more with Carter's points. Um and so uh, that's why I was curious to see if you had any counterbalance there. But you know, from my perspective, I think I think the Mall of America still deserves a ton of credit. Totally, um, they continue to be really inventive and they continue to set the pace for the industry. Hundred percent. I also think it's a really smart move by McKinsey because it just puts McKinsey in the conversation in a different way. Um, uh, you know about what's happening in retail, and you can and people can actually go and physically touch and kind of see how they might be. Um, and I want to, yeah, let's come back to it for sure. But I think, but the things I'm with you, Carter, like I, I want to see it. I'm going to reserve judgment. Here are the questions I have going in. Number one, it does feel really tech heavy and tech first. I, I'm going to stop you there because I've seen some of the media previews. Okay. So I'm going to counter, counter here okay, and say, you are. I, I, going in and reading the press releases had the same ideas as you guys had, had and have stated. Mm-hmm. 
after looking at some of the previews that I've seen from some of the media personalities, it does not look there certainly is tech in the store. There's no question about that. But the they've done a really good job of merchandising it so that it looks like a store. I will continue with the rest of my points. Later, all right. But all right, continue. Good, good. The hand movements are coming out for those on video. Um, so that's what. And also when I look at the list and I won't say who, but there are there are definitely there's there's probably tech involved in this that I probably wouldn't choose just from my own background and my own knowledge of analyzing them and understanding how they really work inside of a concept or there's better options. Now, maybe that'll change as we go forward and the platform changes. Um, I think the second thing for me is what you said, Carter, which is it feels like a menagerie of different stuff. It doesn't feel like it's a point of view. And I think as you really want to try to understand the future of retail, you still have, a have, you still have to have a point of view as a as a brand or as a concept about what the thing is all about that holds it together. So that's my biggest misgiving. But that's not surprising when it's done, and this is my third point, it's, it's not surprising when it's done by consultants. It's not done by retailers, it's done by consultants. Then there's a reason it's done by consultants, right? Is to go and help the brands figure out which of this to take. So anyway, that's my point. I don't really know. I'm trying to be very cautious and reserve judgment, but those are the things that I will be looking at very closely when I walk into those walls here, hopefully oh, in the next wait. week. I think that this is for the consultants. It's for the consultants to, there's, think of how many retailers, especially after GH Lab last year, how many retailers are making a stop at Mall of America? This is about putting something out there. We brought clients to there last week. Right. Anyone that sure. anyone that you can get eyes on this concept and raise aware, maybe it's a marketing ploy for McKinsey to just recruit more retailers to work with them. I think hundred percent right. Like I don't, I don't think that the budget is here, and it's yeah. about like having a point of view on future retail. I really think that's the mess. I think customers likely are going to go in there and be like, oh, there's a third love store here. That's great. Um, I I think that they're not going to understand what's going on in there. They're going to go walk through it like every other person does at Mall of America. It's but it's not for them. It's for uh, it's a lab. It's a lab in a mall for people to start to work with so, that consultant mindset. Yeah, yeah. I mean that that's why we. And that's also so arguably it's the best booth space that you could ever buy yes, at a convention, right? right? Exactly. Like, and and when you look at it in that lens, like, yeah, I'm all about it. I just you know, so what's going to get consultants into the door? And I'm sure some smart mirrors in a dressing room sure are going to do that. I just worry that we're putting a stake in the ground in a spot that you know it's it's the hype cycle we talked about last time. We're actually, I'm actually talking about it at Q at Q4 again. It's like. Yeah. We are so brainwashed that we need smart mirrors in every single one of our dressing rooms that we forget, like, what does the consumer actually want? Like, the best application of a smart mirror in a dressing room that I've seen actually work is lighting. Like, that's what, you know, right. that's what mm-hmm. they want to see. People think that they can order things from home, and then you realize that 150 keystrokes later, no one actually wants to enter yeah. a credit card on a dressing room mirror. Oh. And so, like... And and so I worry that we're putting a stake in this in the sand. We're maybe elevating this idea of hype and this and this idea of buzzwords in a way uh, that's detrimental to the larger picture of future of retail. I cannot agree more, though. It's a beautiful move by McKinsey to have the best sales booth space around. Carter, I think if you think about it, though, even if even if that smart mirror has. Think about the traffic for the next three months at the Mall of America. Even if you have people that are going in there and they don't know the first thing about how that smart mirror works, somebody is getting information about their product and what 
things they might need to do when the average consumer comes in and looks at their product. And so I think, again, if you just look at it, they're not promoting it this way, but if you just look at it as simply not not trying to be anything, any store of the future, any ecosystem of the store of the future, that kind of thing, I think if you just look at it as strictly an experiment to get people in front of your technology and seeing how the average consumer interacts with it instead of in like a Rebecca Minkoff store or something, like this is an opportunity to get a mass of people in front of these technologies interacting with them good or bad like i so i i think if you if you just reset your mind i think that's the hard thing for us is we're thinking of it as this collective experience well i i don't know i don't think it's hard i mean i think i'm just gonna call it like i think it is too i mean i think there's a lot of money at stake here the the tech companies are probably playing good money to have their stuff in this space mckenzie's probably profiting from that in some way the mckenzie if they sign any contracts from this type of work those are million dollar contracts minimally based on what's at, oh, yeah. at stake mm-hmm. here and i think that's so at it, the end of the day it's, it's a return on investment activity. it's it's an amazing move on mckinsey i you know i think it's 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 incredible i i just sometimes get a little but this is where i do i think it's i'm going to say this and i debated whether to say but this is why we created third house too is to actually say okay no let's help figure out what is the real point of view mm-hmm. of what you need to accomplish as a brand and what is the right combination of technologies that does that and not necessarily just a melange or whatever the word is to be French again. Oh, God. Uh, you know, of of the different types of things you could do or just what is the latest. As you said, what did you call it, Carter? That was really good. Like where you said your Q4, like the latest, greatest, kind of sexiest topic out there. The yeah, hype circle. The, the hype, hype circle. Or yeah, whatever yeah. that might be. Versus now like, i got to figure out what that is. Versus like what's, what's really real <laughs> and what do you really need? Because again- Retail the future is the blend of digital, physical, and human design. Mm-hmm. It's not tech, tech, tech. All right. Story number three. So the HSO, guys, the heat is on in the health. H- and the HSO. In retail. <laughs> I will say, sorry, I will say this too, but we will go check it out and we will be completely magnanimous and candid and truthful as we see it in yes. terms of what we find when we go there. So back to health and retail. Yep. <laughs> Uh, so you guys, there's a lot of merging of health and retail announcements this last week. So we lumped them into one story, but there, it's actually three that we'll, we'll touch on here. So first being Sam's Club has announced that they are now offering health benefits for members. Uh, they're teaming up with several healthcare companies to offer discounts on routine care that their members might ordinarily delay or skip because of the cost. So members of Sam's Clubs in Michigan, Pennsylvania, and North Carolina will be able to buy bundles of healthcare services that include discounted dental care, pre-prescriptions for certain medications, and also telehealth consultations. Uh, the fees range from $50 for individuals to $240 for up to six uh, family members. And the pilot program could eventually expand to all states, according to Sam's Club Health and Wellness. Um, now, Sam's Club's partner, uh, Walmart partner, I guess I wouldn't call uh, him a partner. Let's see. Family member? Something. Father? <laughs> <laughs> Parents? I don't know. Um, yes. What, what do you call that there? Uh, so Walmart uh, opened their new Supercenter in Dallas. They announced also where they're doing um, some in-store pickup experiences for the pharmacy. Um, They're also doing an in-house veterinary clinic, but then um, they're also experimenting with ways that they can offer health services on site in a Walmart store. Um, And finally, Amazon has also announced this last week that they are doing a virtual medical clinic pilot for employees. So Amazon um, will be doing something they're calling Amazon Care. It includes virtual visits with medical professionals, the option for in-person follow-ups, prescription drug home delivery, etc., 
Um, it covers all the basic cold um, infections, vaccine lab work it's, and things like that. And they will uh, be rolling out this service to employees prior to making them available to the general public. So lots of health and retail this week. This is this is amazing. And, and I think if you look at any industry that's so ripe for disruption, it's healthcare. And I don't think anyone who's listening or any three of us disagree. Yeah, no one would disagree. The, the idea that someone like ourselves who are lucky enough to have a college education and I still can't figure out how the heck to navigate my health insurance oh God, is yeah. absolutely mind-blowing to me. And I start to realize if I can't figure it out, like how is anyone else doing this? And how are some of the most vulnerable people in our country or in the world trying to navigate healthcare? And it's absolutely absolutely insane. Now, go back to the world we live in today and you see companies understand that, specifically Amazon and then Walmart, I think, is reading the tea leaves as well. You're saying, hey, we could potentially really quickly and easily take care of a huge portion of the you know, day in and day out healthcare needs. So you talk mm-hmm. about they're not trying to be the next surgery center, especially healthcare. They're like, the majority of times people need to interact with healthcare are for basic needs, prescription drugs, checkups, you know, you know, standard teeth cleans, whatever it might be, right? Um, and they're saying, hey, we can offer that. It's not that hard. Mm-hmm. It's going to be an incredible added value. And then for our customers, it's it's usually easy to skip this because it's expensive or they're scared. They don't know how to navigate. We're going to offer it to them. And I think the first company who can really add really that value of healthcare and figure out how to crack that code is going to see multiples of success. Um and I think the argument is, you know, with with the cut of retail, I think, you know, they obviously have the advantage of having physical space, which is really nice for a Sam's Club or Walmart, really accessibility, places to go. Amazon's got this incredible fulfillment infrastructure, and they also know everything about us. So uh, the idea that Amazon might be able to prescribe us medication or even diagnose certain symptoms just based on voice via Alexa, you know, preview of uh, level f- or of, of story five is pretty is pretty darn close. And so you see you see these two different players coming into the game with two different advantages uh, along a myriad of other things. Uh, but it's it's a ripe world for disruption and I'm incredibly excited to see what happens. The question is, is who do we trust and who are we going to trust with our medical information? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I couldn't agree. I think, I, think it's, I think this story is super cool, super interesting. There's just going to be more heat on it. I think the point I thought about as you were talking to Carter there was, you know, not only is healthcare confusing, it's also gotten really inconvenient. So inconvenient. Like, it's just not... It's not easy to get the healthcare you need, let alone figure out your insurance. That part's confusing, but like the convenience of it is just completely screwed up. And so, you know, the experiments that we've talked about with CVS and Walgreens and those seemingly, if you like talk to a company like Placer, those guys, those guys are seemingly doing fairly well in terms of the early traffic indications you can get. And so not surprised to see this. I think the Sam's Club move is really interesting because it, it starts to say, well, you know, companies offer health benefits to employees. Why not offer them to their customers and, you know, figure out how to do that in some way? I, I, I would actually consider that personally to your point because like, okay, you've stripped it away. Keep it really easy for me. What does it cost per month? What coverage do I get? All right. We'll talk about companies who figured out user experience as well. Like, right. I mean, in terms of they've navigated a complex ecosystems of shopping and fulfillment, right. mm-hmm. et cetera. Well, now you have this infrastructure and you can just apply it to a larger category like, um, you know, like healthcare. And not to make a really weird comparison to no, this, but great. look at the Uber update from the Uber app. It's mm-hmm. like a platform for life is kind of the way that that press release came out yesterday. Mm. Well, Uber basically realized like, hey, we've spent hundreds of millions of dollars making one of the best apps in the app store. Whether you agree with it or you use for it sure. or not, the point is it, it is, is really the good. best app. Yeah. Like it is amazing. And that's not easy to do. Right. So now they're like, well, we'll just copy and paste this bad boy. And obviously there's a lot more to it, but they're like, well, let's do it for delivery. Let's use the same infrastructure right. and do that. Like, 
Like you look at a company like Amazon, you know, they're falling back on the fact, well, we got distribution taken care of. Like, why don't we just put a bunch of pills on all the planes? There's no reason, you know, we got a beautiful app. We have Alexa cameras and microphones in every single person's house. Like they have such a, a, a you know, a, a head start to yeah. any other healthcare company, I would argue that. Um, that's around. Now, I'm speaking from an uneducated standpoint in terms of healthcare. Like, I clearly don't know the ins and outs of what it takes for a gigantic healthcare company to provide that. But from a user standpoint, like, I feel that they've, ex- you know, they've been they've been experts in the user relationship that you know, companies like healthcare haven't. Yeah, I think you talked about your Q4 speech. My Q4 speech is actually how 2019 is the tipping point year in retail and I think even the consumer industry sure. in general. I mean, it's like we've been doing this for a year and a half over now, over a year and a half now, and like it feels like the heat's a lot heavier on all this, yeah. right? Like it just feels like the ball is moving downhill now. I think we're just, consumers are just sick of putting up with stuff that sucks. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, like they realize there's a better way to do it. Well said. Sorry, <laughs> just to bring it down to a bullet point. That's all right. It's awesome. All right, story number four. All right, story number four. I might end up going on a little bit of a rant here. This involves Caper. So Caper, a company that delivers AI-powered shopping carts for grab-and-go retail, announced last week that it raised $10 million in Series A, Series A funding to grow its team and, quote, fulfill its rollout pipelines with mega retailers. Their words, not mine, end quote. That was per a company press release. Lux Capital appears to have led the funding round. The company noted that it is planning to work with sizable North American grocery chains and to roll out more than 1,000 caper carts over the next year. Caper also stated that it has increased basket sizes by 10% and obtained high customer satisfaction ratings among its users where it is currently deployed. Whew. I don't know about this one, guys. I am so, so skeptical of this. I would like to know where the increased baskets have come from because when I tried to find any location, one location, any of any Share of them this at story. All. We so we here's the background story for everyone listening at home or watching on TV or your phone or whatever. TV. No one's watching on TV. <laughs> oh my God. Watching on, all right. God, I'm old. Um but like we had to do it. We led a tour of New York retail, but next best next generation retail. And yes. we wanted to go see Caper. And so Caper, if you're listening, you should know this happened. And we tried to coordinate a visit. And what happened, Ann? Uh they have several stores listed on their website where the product is in place. I called the managers of every one of the stores and only two stores actually knew what the carts were and also couldn't tell me if they were in in use or when they were going to be there. So I I don't know. I this is this is the stuff that especially given the news of this last week and the valuations of companies and things like $10 million in Series A funding for a concept that I I I want to see the data. I want to see where these are being tested and what's, what's the, you know, and it's only for a 1,000 carts? Well, that, that they're saying they want to get a 1,000 carts in the stores, which, by the way, is like probably like two Targets, but like, or two Walmarts, maybe even a Walmart. But like, it, I just don't get the concept from a user experience design perspective. Like, car, you're going to fix it to the carts. Carts are a big piece of equipment. They have to withstand the elements from heating, from like the freezing temperatures of Minneapolis, for example, they get beat up to hell. People don't treat them well. Like there's just better ways to do this, especially when you start talking about all the things going on in checkout free retail. We just had that awesome podcast with listener where mm-hmm. you don't even have to take the freaking phone out of your pocket anymore to right. pay for anything. Why would you need, why, why are we thinking carts are going to be the solve for this? Yeah. I, I mean, I think the, I, 
you might as well flush it down the toilet. Like, I mean, honestly, it's $10 million. I could potentially see where, you know, a cart could be something that you would look to if you don't want to outfit your entire store with what was once Amazon Go type technology. And you wanted to say, hey, let's focus on the carts. However, you do have the other side, Chris. Your point is that you put in the consumer's hands. It's really now this clunky thing that gets thrown through the snow. It's outside. It's getting rained on, et cetera. So I I. I get it. What I think is more important is what Am brought up is like okay. you guys are seeing through the press release, you're seeing through the hype, and like we're seeing that left and right now with companies big, small is the fact that you can put out some fancy press release and get some headlines, but until like consultants like you guys are actually on the ground in one of the biggest retail environments in the world, calling, trying to see this technology and trying to use it, and really called their bluff on the fact that they weren't actually doing much. It goes back to the fact that like we could. I shouldn't say. Let's be careful. Like we couldn't find out how much was going on. It's hard to find out. out. So I think at the end of the day, you look at some of these numbers and you realize what is the true impact. Right. Well, and we saw at Grocery Shop last week uh, an exact, almost exact replica of the caper cart in the same startup row. I mean, so how are they protecting themselves, I guess, against other competitors and... I don't know. But even so, I mean, yeah, I mean, it just shows you there's money rushing into this to try to figure out what's going on. But like, I just, it it just doesn't make sense to me that this is the way you would go about doing it. I mean, scanning goes even to me a better solution than what a cart is just from the standpoint of being a retailer and from just user design experience of of the consumer. Right. Yeah. You still have the bagging or how are you getting these products to your car and, you know, I, I don't know. I yeah, think and they're bagging still as they go, but yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, maybe it's right. I think it may be right for bodega environments like in New York City and things like that. Where you have a where cart have in really, a bodega? Yeah, I get, you're right. Not bodega, but like the more smaller grocery stores, you have those really small carts, but that's it. All right, Carter, bring us home. All right, a little bit of a lighter topic, but Anne, yeah, I need you fun. to find some tinfoil in the kitchen, put it all on oh, your God. head, you know, because your conspiracy- you guys, uh, didn't let me, da- you guys didn't let me say in the healthcare thing about Amazon being in charge of my healthcare, you guys. I don't want them to know what's going on with Who my body. Who would you trust? Apple? Don't get too worked up now, Anne. Oh. For a variety of reasons, yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, so uh, earlier this week at an Amazon event, like all these big tech companies are doing a big flashy event, Amazon released a myriad of new technology products, all with Alexa voice capabilities enabled. So now we have the Echo Frames, we have the Echo Loop, and the Echo Buds. Does anyone remember what the Echo Loop was? Anyone? Is that the that? ring? It's the ring. Yeah. So there's a there's a press photo, a photo they released of someone using it in the grocery store, and. It looks unique. Uh, <laughs> it could be worse. It could be better. Yep. It looks like a really large wedding ring. Yeah, you know, one of the huge, one you know, those maybe big, like stained, graphite yeah, ones. Or graphite whatever. ones. Yeah. Um, you know, and and I think you know the Echo Frames obviously <laughs> no, are. That's true. But yeah, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> Just trying to read story number five here, guys. The Echo Echo Frames are glasses with Alexa voice capabilities built in, and then the Echo Buds are actually an AirPod competitor uh, with Alexa built in and other fitness tracking capabilities as well. Um, and so now Amazon is not only building voice, but putting another data layer on your life, um, enabling to do you to do some incredible things. Incredible with an asterisk, and mm-hmm. I can't wait to hear what you think. Uh, these things are all within a collection of larger releases of new Echo Dot products uh, and a myriad of new Amazon hardware devices, not only for the home, but for your daily life. Which one are you buying? What am I buying? I don't know. Which one are you going to buy first? Come on. If you had to. See... if you had an unlimited budget and you're like, you know what, I'm just going to plop it down. Which one are you getting? We're, so, so here's here's the issue is we're we're kind of in the sunk moat theory in terms of you guys. It's a it's been a very long day. Let me just take this one for a couple of seconds. Uh, take right, a breath. Go ahead. Uh, 
the the thing is, I'm still like, even though it is a, a not not a superior product, I'm still stuck with Siri because I have that voice assistant everywhere, and I still use that more for day in and day out. Now, yes, it's just reminders. Yeah, it's just making general phone calls or texting people. But the point being is, is that this is so as from an Apple perspective, this is so entrenched in my life that I have a hard time integrating Alexa into anything beyond really things at home. But dude, how millennial are you? That's not supposed to be your answer. Yeah, but when was the last time? Here, here's a question though. If you're, if we're judging that statement, when was the last time that you actually used Alexa for day, daily things beyond setting a timer in the kitchen or turning your lights off in your living room? Whoa, this is like my world coming crashing down on me. That I Carter's think Carter is finally speaking some sense. Wow. To, yes. Or, or he's getting older. I, he's, I don't. He think doesn't it, want to mentally relearn a new a new. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I think the fact that you know Amazon's continuing to invest in this is huge, and they're ultimately winning. Yeah. Like they they are winning. You think but so? when I I mean, in terms of look at all the hardware they're releasing, they're yeah. in every almost every single home. They are selling this stuff for at cost, if not below, for their Prime right. membership. I mean. I'm not going to try to second guess the fact that Amazon is not winning in this race, but I do want to look at the fact that uh, we have $1,100 devices in all of our pockets that are delivering more value, I would argue, for the longer part of your day for, let's say, my demographic. So mm-hmm. that might be very different for others. So I have to be careful with that as well. So basically what you're saying, too, is if Apple goes this way, like you're all over it. Like I'm, with the I'm saying we're lucky. Thing. Well, we're yeah. lucky enough to have like, I mean, look at the AirPod revolution, like yeah. the fact that, you know, the, the next version of that could so easily tie into health data that you always look already look to could so easily tie into your phone to make general commands that already know all your contacts that already know all all that have things dangling out of our ears every day all the time speak for yourself (laughs) okay you go you go you don't have airpods hand i don't either i don't we don't have airpods i i don't need product i have an airpod holder (laughs) airpod holder thanks to somebody but i don't have any airpods got a lonely little slip of paper like (laughs) which i actually i was going to give to you by the way oh thanks um, no, I don't want more stuff connected to me. I really don't. That's not, not anything that I, uh, this is creeping sorry, you out. It's had, creeping you out. Sorry. Yeah, I'll go again. You can we, keep, it, we had a, we had a minor shutdown see, for a second. But that's uh-huh. because you probably didn't have AirPods in. The probably. screen went off and all of a sudden I'm, it's like, Anne's not connected anymore. No. A, um, right. yeah, you guys, I don't, I, I I I fully accept that this is my own thing, and I still don't have an Alexa in my house. I don't want one. I you can have one of mine. I don't. I don't even. I'm want ordering it. pizza tonight on it. I'm doing the Domino's thing tonight. Thank you. We're gonna get out of don't here. Don't let on, me get back on that. Me getting my pizza in 30 minutes or less. I'm gonna try it tonight. We'll report out next week because I'm all over this air, earbud thing. Whatever earbud. Why? Blah. What are you gonna do with those? Because I actually. I here's why. This is why one finger the dom right the Domino's thing was cool. I was like, wow, I can just go give me a medium pepperoni sausage pizza, please Domino's, and yes. it will come to my house. Great, that is amazing. Second, I was texting you this morning actually to tell you I was going to be late on my way to get a bagel, and I was remarkably surpri- like just surprised by how efficient that process was. I was like, God, I got to start using this more often. Part of the thing my holdback is actually I don't like having to interact with my phone to do that. And so exactly. if I could just have it in my ear and be like, Ann, I'm five minutes late. I'm getting a bagel. Do you want anything? That's awesome. You I didn't like even that. ask me if I wanted anything. Well, but- you always say no on the bagels. To that point, so keep going. Alexa or I was, Siri is going to close ab- it up. But Alexa keep going. and Siri, who, who's, who's closer to making that happen? 
I don't know. You would know better than I would. I think it may. It's probably Alexa because they're in my house too. But with but with, I don't know. Siri, yeah, I take like, that back. I've, I texted like a hundred people today just yeah. off Siri. Like yeah. I mean, I, when you look at how close these companies yeah. are, I get Amazon's doing that. Here, here's I got. I know we got to be done, but I think the the at the end of the day, like this hits home. I know for a couple of us in the room, but the point that like having devices on us that are always tracking our health data, are tracking what's happening around, and finding a company that actually you can trust with your health data makes life better like mm-hmm. there's so many incredible stories about the apple watch airpods things like that like it, it's amazing and i think we can talk about that another time that's actually true yeah like if your vitals are not good you might get an early warning to that to hydrate yourself or something like that for example yeah it's cool all right that wraps us up enough what? with that i just had to go on that random diatribe couple housekeeping things some really cool posts on forbes this week i did my typical good bad the ugly of grocery shop this time for the robin report it's been getting a lot of hits check it out and today i just put a post out this morning that's already on fire already up over ten thousand views in just three hours and it's called malls are dying but there's a street three gosh also said there's a three-step plan that can save them for you loyal listeners out there, please remember to like, review, and to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Every review you leave really makes a difference, and our reviews have been climbing. So thank you. Thank you so much. And if you haven't yet got the chance, be sure to check out Third House next week at Third House. Julie Kaczynski of Pitchwell will be here on Wednesday, Wednesday afternoon, to talk about how you can perf- perfect your pitch for investors. If you're interested in attending, you can sign up at thirdhouse.com. And if you can't attend, you can always always sign up to become a Third House community member and all of the content will be sent to you or available to you uh, via audio and video as well. So that closes us up. On behalf of Carter, on behalf of Ann, on behalf of myself, be careful out there. 